0: Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. We've been in a series called Co-Create. And I think this is the last message I'm going to do in this series. Um, Basically, what we've been talking about, the Bible says that we are co laborers with God. We are co-workers. We work together with him in this world. The Bible also says that we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-inheritors with him. We inherit what Jesus inherits. <clears throat> and the Bible also says that we will reign with Christ. And we're going to talk about reigning with Christ today. But in this series, I've said this a few times Um, What we we want for you, what we want for me and for all of us is to realize our created value, that God has called each and every one of us to be the creative and transformative agents here in this world. Um, God created us to be like Him. And if we're made in the likeness and the image of something, by by default, we are going to be creative beings. God is a creator. He created us in His likeness and image. We are going to be creative beings. I think it's interesting that even people who are separated from God, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, they still bear the image of creator. They are still creative. Um, the interesting thing about people who um, don't know the Lord, that creativity manifests itself in several different ways. It can be, it can be good. Of course it can be good, the creativity that people have um, for bettering the world. Um, it can be bad, and sometimes it can be very ugly, the creativity. And I just want to, before I kind of get into the message here, I kind of want to like outline that um, just to show you the creative nature that God has given you. If it's honed by the Holy Spirit, how powerful it can be. But apart from God, actually, it can be a destructive thing. In the book of Romans, chapter one, the Apostle Paul, um, in the first chapter, starting in verse like eighteen, he outlines kind of a. Um, the trajectory of man outside of God's will, people who don't know God. In verse 18, he starts talking about a downward spiral of mankind separated from God. When man left to himself, what does he do? There's this downward spiral of of their minds becoming darkened and the futility of their thinking. And then watch this in verse, um, and of course, later on, um, after this in Romans, then, then Paul goes to outline the plan of salvation for all of humanity. But before you get to the plan of salvation, you have to get to, like, the end of humanity, the end of yourself, right? So that's what he does here in the first chapter. But look at this in Romans 1, 29. It says this. Um, this is after a huge list of things, starting in, in verse 18. Um, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. And look at this. They invent ways of doing evil. So that's the creative nature of God outside of the influence of God manifesting in people. They actually invent ways of doing evil. Humanity, truly humanity at its worst, is when it's using our God-given authority and our God-given creative nature to invent ways to do evil. That is truly humanity at its absolute worst. I'll give an example of this. and. Um, you could think of, we could all think of many examples, of course, in this world. But a really good example of this is that in, during World War II in Nazi Germany, there were some of the most brilliant, educated minds in Nazi Germany. I mean, these are smart guys. Were thinking of ways to do some of the most horrendous evil that the world has ever seen in terms of let's mass genocide kill people efficiently, in an efficient way. I mean, that has got to be mankind at its worst, inventing ways of mass genocide. This is kind of a bizarre um, a bizarre part of our history but um, and dark part of our American history, but I, I recently discovered that, I learned this, that some of the Nazi, same Nazi scientists who um, were designing rockets to be used against the Allied forces after the war had ended, you know, the Cold War started, and we were... Basically, um, you know, uh, trying to, well, we're in a cold war with the with USSR, and these Nazi scientists, we were fighting over them because of their rocket technology to help us develop our rocket technology. And some of these same scientists who were developing weapons to be used against the allied forces, we recruited, and NASA actually used them for the Apollo missions. And we used their intellect, their brilliant minds, to help us put, um, put men on the moon. Like, that's crazy. But my point is that some of the brilliant minds that were inventing horrendous ways of doing evil were actually churned and ended up doing things um, and we cut deals with them that they would help us put man on the moon. Humanity certainly has the capacity, you and I have the capacity for inventing ways of doing evil, but the opposite is also true. Under the inspiration of Father God and the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can actually bring creative solutions into your world, into my world, to the problems that you face, the problems that I face, the problem that our world faces. It's an amazing and beautiful thing when it's submitted to Father God. And so that's what we want, to be. we want to be. We want to have our creative and authority nature that God has given us submitted to, to God to bring about amazing things in this world. Um, so today, this is part five of this series. We're going to talk about what it means to co-reign with Christ. The title of my message today is called Training for Reigning. Everyone say, training for reigning. I don't know if people like it when the pastor makes them repeat things, but... At least it keeps you awake, okay. So there are a few different angles that we could approach this from. There's actually three different angles. I'm gonna highlight the first two, which we're not really gonna spend time on and then we'll camp on the third. But um, the ways that we reign with Christ, there are three that we're gonna highlight. The first one, the first way that we reign with Christ, and I just wanna give you the biblical foundation here for the idea of reigning with Jesus, the idea of reigning with Christ. I didn't make this up. This is in your Bible, okay? You can go read this, so... Um, I didn't make this up because I thought it was a cool idea to reign with Jesus like he thought this up. And this was his plan from the foundations of the world, okay? So way number one is we will reign with Christ in eternity. The Bible speaks of a type of reigning that we will experience when we are in heaven, or actually when heaven comes to earth, there's a new heaven, there's a new earth. And the Bible talks about a type of reigning that we will experience with Jesus. I think we'll actually have like, jobs and tasks. I don't really know what that fully looks like, but I think the Bible is very clear that you're, you know, we're not just gonna, we're not just gonna sit on harps. Or sit on clouds with harps. That'd be kind of weird, right, your harp. Um, (laughs) Moving on, moving on. We're not gonna sit on clouds with harps in our hands, okay? Now, that picture that Joy mentioned of like all of us worshiping before his throne, that will happen. That's a very real thing that the nations will come and bring their splendor before, before the king. I can't imagine what that would be like. Like A real throne with a real God sitting on it with all the people that were, are following him, worshiping before his throne. We had good worship here, but I, <laughs> I would imagine what happens there will be much, much better. So, Revelation 22 verses 3 through 5. I just want to highlight this real quick. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. So there's this, I don't know what that looks like, but there's a type of ownership happening there. Verse 5, there will be no more light. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And look at this, they will reign forever and ever. We will reign with God forever and ever in eternity. <clears throat> okay, so that's one aspect of how we will reign with Christ. We're not going to focus on that too much today. The second way that we will reign with Christ is during the millennial reign of Christ. Okay, what is the millennial reign of Christ? Um, despite what some of you might think right now is not the millennial reign of Christ, even though there are millennials everywhere, okay, okay? <laughs> This is not the millennial reign of Christ. is the millennial reign from, you know, people born between 1981 and 1996-ish, you know. Okay. Um, that's not the millennial reign. Okay, weird beard backs and selfies. No, silly, it's the millennial reign of Jesus. So go ahead, and go ahead and put that next picture up. Okay, this is the millennial reign of Jesus. <laughs> He's got this, you know, the iPhone there and his hipster glasses and all that, Okay. <laughs> I was reading this these verses about you know the millennial reign and then after that Satan being thrown into like eternal punishment and I'm like I don't know if I really want to mess with that guy who's going to be throwing Satan into you know eternal punishment by you know putting funny pictures up but anyway I think Jesus still has a sense of humor though so okay what is the millennial reign the millennial reign of Jesus is a is a future period of 1000 years um, spoken of throughout, all, all throughout the bible where Jesus reigns with his followers. After that, there's a short time where Satan is released, and then he's dealt with once and for all. And I'll read a few verses here just to highlight this point. Um, Revelation chapter 20, verses 5, and it says this, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. So there's humans giving the task of judging the world. Judging the world, being, being judges. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshiped the beast um, or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads. In other words, they didn't belong to Satan. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Okay? So during this period of a thousand year millennial reign, there's no death. Um, Jesus is actually in bodily form here on earth. Did you know Jesus has a body right now in heaven? He forever took on the form of a man, and he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven in bodily form. He forever identified with us as humans, as a man. Like, that is amazing. He's coming back as a man. He's God, fully God, fully man, to rule and reign here on earth from Jerusalem. Okay? Okay. And it says, the Bible says that his servants will rule and reign with him. They will be given the task of, of judging and, and administration and, again, different kind of jobs. I don't know fully what that looks like. Um, maybe maybe Pastor um, Brett back here, I don't know. Maybe you could put more meat on the bone for me there, what that particularly looks like. But it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing, okay? Um, okay, so we, we rule and reign in eternity. We rule and reign during the millennial reign of Christ. And the third way that we will reign with Christ is in this present life. All right, in this present life. Now look at, if you have Bibles, we're gonna, we're gonna look at Romans chapter five, verses 17. It says this. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, okay? So this idea of reigning in this present life, reigning in life through Christ Jesus. The trespass of one man, of course, is talking about when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and, and we inherited, all mankind inherited sin, and, and decay, and death. And it says, how much more? So it's not just, it didn't just balance the equation, it said, here is sin and death, what Jesus did was even greater than what sin and death did. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus? So good. Here's the point. We can co-reign with Jesus here and now in this life. Here and now, like like throughout your normal life, you can reign with him. And we're gonna talk about what that looks like. But look at, first, before we do that, um, Romans chapter 5 Verse 17 in the um, Passion Translation, I want to read this. It says, this is cool. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfected righteousness and the one and only Jesus, the Messiah? All right? Now, I don't know about you, but... I don't feel like I'm reigning every single day. Like, there are days where I'm like, I'm I'm getting killed here. I'm getting my butt kicked here. I don't feel like I'm ruling and reigning in this life, okay? But God has called us, in spite of situations and circumstances around us, and by the way, this doesn't mean we, like, lord over people, control people. That's not what this is talking about. Reigning in life is living the spirit-filled lifestyle. It's reigning in life is walking in communion with Jesus. Reigning in life is having the fruit of the spirit in your life. Reigning in life is looking like Jesus no matter what happens all around you, right? Like, like our, can, can someone say something bad to you and ruin your entire day? Like, I would, I would venture to say, maybe you're not fully reigning in life. If You know what I mean? Like, reigning in life is... is the fruit of the spirit manifesting the joy of the Lord all over. Amen. Okay. So it's clear to me that, um, God has so much more for us believers, so much more than we can even realize. I think we'll actually, when we see the full picture someday, just like the Bible says, when we actually see Satan, the Bible says that we're going to be like, this is it. This is the guy that caused all that, you know, junk to go on. This is it. I think in the same way, We'll finally see ourselves as God created us to be, as he made us, and be like, oh my gosh. I was, there was so much more than I thought. There was so much more available to me than I knew about. I wish I could have gone back and known all the authority, all the power, all the peace I could have had manifesting in my life. Man, if we could get a hold of this, that's what it looks like to reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. God is certainly capable of ruling and reigning without us. Like he doesn't actually need us to rule and reign. But for some reason, God in his infinite wisdom has chosen weak human beings to be glorified and magnified through, to bring him glory. It's really the dignity of our lives. It's the dignity of our lives to walk with him and to be used by him. He could do this all by himself. He doesn't need us at all, but he's chosen to use us. He's chosen to flow through us. It's the dignity of our lives. And listen, if you're here today and you're struggling to... Know what your purpose is in life? Like there's some, there's a purpose for you right there, to to rule and reign with Jesus, to walk with Him, to manifest Christ everywhere you go. Amen. It's good stuff. So personally, I reject the teaching that says that reigning and ruling with Jesus is only for the millennial and or the millennium and for eternity. I reject that. I believe that it's for here and now and in the millennium and in eternity. If you look at it, there's a clear trajectory right, all the way through, from now, millennium, eternity, there's a clear trajectory that he wants us walking with him, ruling and reigning with him, now and forever. So good. Okay, so what does that look like? What does it look like to reign in life through Jesus? Now, I thought a lot about various attributes that this could look like, ways that this should play out in our lives, and after I, you know, started writing them down and and kind of trying to categorize them, I actually just landed on um, a lot of the, the attributes and the markers of someone who is reigning in life, a lot of them, for me, just kept pointing at the 23rd Psalm. Boom, 23rd Psalm, boom, 23rd Psalm. So I actually, I think the 23rd Psalm is a really good picture that is a concise picture. Of course, there's more in the Bible that talks about this, but it's a concise picture of what it looks like for you and for me to reign in life through Christ Jesus. So we're going to go through the 23rd Psalm, and I'm just going to highlight some of the things that God has for us, he wants us to walk in. By the way, if some of these indicators aren't active in your life, this isn't, a, this isn't to condemn anyone, right? We're not judged in these things, we're not condemned in these things, but realize there's something for you to grow into. There's something for you to grow up into. And I read the, what I don't like, <laughs> when I read my Bible and I see what it says I can do and how, how great God can flow through me, I don't try to write those scriptures off. I try to adjust my theology to the Bible. So many people try to take the Bible and adjust it to their disbelief. That's not, listen, it's okay if you miss it, it's okay if you have doubts, but let's not diminish the word of God. Let's elevate to the word of God, amen? That's our, I mean, come on, why did we come together? We come together to be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, right? To be built up, not to like, give a bunch of excuses of why we're all failing, right? (laughs) All right, but we miss it, but realize there's something to grow into. Hosea chapter four, verse six says, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It it doesn't say that unbelievers and sinners and heathens are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So it's possible to be a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and still be destroyed for a lack of understanding of what he's done for us. So we have to search this stuff out, right? We have to get in our Bibles and search out. What has he given us? What, has, what have we inherited? What, is, what does Christ want to do in our lives? Yeah. Amen. Okay, so 23rd Psalm. What does it look like to rule and to reign with Jesus? So we'll start in verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. It says this. Of course, many of you have this, this whole thing memorized. It's a very, very famous, probably the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. Psalm 23 verse one, "The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We see here that God, as a shepherd, He provides all of, your, all of our needs. all of, our, all of um, our needs, according to His riches and glory, He provides This OK, let me ask you this question. What does it look like what does it look like for God to reign in your finances? Of course, the provision is one thing. Having you know enough is one thing, but I would, I would say this. It means that you, you rule over money. Money doesn't rule over you. you. You don't serve money. Money serves you. And listen, money in and of itself is a cruel master. Money is a cruel master. It's a, it's a terrible uh, master, but it does great things when it's submitted to God. When you submit your finances to God, when you're ruling in life through the one man, Christ Jesus, in the area of your finances, it's a beautiful thing and God can do amazing things through it. All right, verse two, Psalm 23, uh, verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Again, the metaphor here is that of a sheep and a shepherd, right? Jesus is the good shepherd. We're the sheep. There are times where Jesus is like, he, he has to make you lie down. Like, lay down. Those of you who have young kids, you know what I'm talking about. Go to bed. <laughs> Lay down. Get in your bed. Stop getting up. Like, make them... Like, you need rest. You're going to melt down tomorrow if you don't get enough sleep, and I'm going to melt down if you don't get enough sleep, right? <laughs> I, I think it's funny that when you're a kid, you, like, never want to take a nap, and when you're adult, you would, like, pay money for a nap, you know? It's like, I would buy a nap right now, and you just don't want to take one. So, <laughs> Jesus gives us rest. He leads us beside green pastures and still waters. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people to take a Sabbath rest, a day of rest, a day off, which of course is like a really good idea. If you don't have at least one day off a week where you're just able to rest, you should, there's certainly wisdom in that. But in the New Testament, Jesus actually is our Sabbath rest. He, we rest in Jesus. We rest in the finished work of the cross. Okay, we rest from the pressure of performance to be good enough for God. We rest from religiosity. We rest in him because he did it all on the cross and we are able to just step into sonship, right? Sonship is free. Like you you step right into that. We talked about last week. By the way, I heard a lot of good feedback from my message last week. If you missed it, um, go go to citylights.church and listen to it. But we talked about how sonship is, is a free gift. Identity and sonship is a free gift or daughtership. But maturity is something that you have to grow in. Okay, but sonship is a free gift. We rest in the finished work of the cross. We can come before Him, not have to strive to be good enough for Him, and 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 from doing and performing all the, um, the all of the law. And that's not just. But with Jesus, we rest in Him. Not just one day a week. We rest in Jesus every day of the week, twenty-four-seven. Three hundred sixty-five It's a perpetual place of rest in Jesus. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Uh, verse 3, Psalm 23, verse 3. We're actually going to get three points out of this verse. He restoreth my soul. Listen, your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. What does it look like to reign in life? It looks like your mind, your will, and your emotions being restored by Jesus. Like this world affects us. Like there are stressors, the, the, the the pleasures and the pressures of life mess with our soul. The influences all around us mess with our soul. But Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, He comes and He ministers to our soul. He refreshes our mind, our will, and emotions. We need that desperately, right? That's why we have things like inner healing ministry, where you can, if you're stuck in an area, you can get you can get healing. Jesus wants to. He wants you to be healed. He doesn't want to see you get trampled over. Okay, he wants to. Um, he wants to. Um, have you healed in your mind, your will, and emotions. And that's what reigning in life looks like. Um, again, Psalm 23, verse 3. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Okay, point number four is that God leads us. A mark, uh, an indicator of reigning in life with Christ Jesus is that he, his leadership is evident in your life. Jesus is a really good leader. In fact, he's a much better leader than you are a follower. okay but his leadership is in your life. Um, Psalms chapter, just as a cross reference, um, Psalms chapter uh, 37 verse 23 it says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and check this out he delights in every detail of our lives. He's not just burdened by like the big things in your life like okay he actually delights in the tiniest thing in your life. He cares about the littlest thing in your life. And he ha- he's not burdened. It doesn't, it, it's not a problem for him. He's actually delighting to like, get involved in every detail. Every detail of your life. I, I know like one of the differences between men and women, they say women are like a bowl of noodles. So like everything touches everything, right? So one area of your life just affects all the other areas of life. And men are really good at being like a waffle, like compartmentalization, <laughs> right? You can be having... <laughs> terrible time in one area of your life, and you're like, we're just, it's a, I mean, it's a strength and a weakness. (laughs) But listen, God wants to flood every compartment of your life. He wants to affect every area. He cares about every detail of your life. Amen? Okay, Psalm 23, verse three again. He guides me along the right paths. Look at this, for his name's sake. Point number five is God is glorified in you and through you. That is a mark of a person who is reigning in life through Christ Jesus. That God gets glory out of your life. Listen, let me ask you a question. Is God getting glory out of your life? Is he being lifted up, magnified? Is he being glorified through your life? My, my, uh, my wife kind of has, I think she preached on this on Tuesday at the, the ladies gathering. But um, one of the mantras of my wife's life is, especially when she's going through something hard, is like, Jesus just be glorified through this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on, but get the glory. Get maximum glory. In fact, here at the church, when something's really hard or, you know, someone leaves our church or whatever, goes another, I'm like, you know what, God, just please be glorified. You know, if there's something we can learn from this, great, but God, just be magnified. Just be glorified. And so when you're going through those hard things in your life, you're going through those stressful things, like, and, and, and in the good times, the, our mantra should be, God, get maximum glory. We were created for his glory. We were created to bring glory to his name. I want God to have maximum glory for my life. Amen? So that's an indicator that you are reigning with light and in life with Christ Jesus if your life brings him glory. All right, Psalm 23, verse 4. We're, we're almost done here. It says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I, the, new, the, the King James Version says, Yay, though I walk through the darkest valley. I don't, I don't know what all the yay's about. Yay, though I walk through, through the darkest valley. <laughs> all right. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Okay, this point, this is kind of a goofy way to make a point, but I'm making it. You are a thermostat, not a thermometer. Okay? You are supposed to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Listen, Thermometers react to what's happening around them and they, they change with the environment. They just change with the environment. So if there's high stress in the room, they're stressed. Culture, society goes this way and they're like, I guess I'm going that way, right? That's, that's a thermometer. Thermostats are quite different, aren't they? They decide what it's gonna be like. They decide to set the temperature of the room, right? We need to be like thermostats. When we when we come into a room, when we come into a meeting, we my wife and I do this all the time. We'll be coming to a stressful meeting where we're gonna have to say hard things, we're gonna have to hear hard things. It's like you know what? We're not thermometers, we're thermostats. We're gonna we're bringing peace with us. I'm not. There's not gonna be peace in that room waiting for us. We're bringing peace with us. Okay, peace can go with you, amen. So <clears throat> um, a few weeks ago in our house, our our uh, thermostat went out, and I was kind of like, do I call someone to fix it or should I try to fix it? And it was like a few weeks had gone by and I couldn't change it from off to heat to cold to anything. And it wasn't too bad when it was still kind of spring and cool out, but then when it started getting hot, I'm like, okay, I got to do something about this. And so finally I went to Lowe's and kind of researched a little bit. I bought a panel. It was actually much cheaper and much easier than I thought it would be. But I finally um, rewired it, put a new panel, mounted the new panel, and then boom, we have, we have cold air again in our house. Okay, for a while there, that, that thermostat on the wall, it only told me the temperature. It, it couldn't control temperature, it couldn't make it go up, it couldn't make it go down, it was just, here's what's happening in the room. I'm like, thanks for the update, I'm hot, and you've confirmed it, you know. Check, <laughs> I'm sweating. Now I know why, it's 85 in here, you know. <laughs> Listen, some of you have forgotten the fact that you're supposed to be a thermostat and not just a thermometer. You're supposed to change the world around you. You're not supposed to change with the world around you, right? We're supposed to take this and let it change us and let the Holy Spirit change us and change the world around us with the power of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the Lord. Amen? That's a good word for someone. All right, let me, on this point, let me give you a little how-to. I've kind of said what it looks like, but let me give you a little how-to on this point. This is easier said than done, but I promise if you do this, um, it will work in your life. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 is a, is a really good verse to highlight this. If you're going through a trial, it's, it's hot in the room, you want to be a therm, thermostat. It says this. What does it say? Rejoice. It starts with saying rejoice. Praise God. Rejoice right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. It's so important I'm going to repeat myself. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's ever-present. Come on. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and with petition, look at this, with what? With thanksgiving, present your request to God and, the, and then what will happen? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, Here's the problem. If we don't mix our prayers with um, thanksgiving and, and praise and rejoicing, it turns into a complaint session, doesn't it? That's the problem. Prayer should not just be your complaint section. Yes, God will hear your heart. You can bring your request to him. But mix that with thanksgiving. Mix that with prayer. Even if you're like, God, this situation is terrible. Well, find something else to be thankful for. And thank him for that. And you'll see that will actually change the atmosphere of your mind. That will change the atmosphere of your heart and change the world around you. If you just acknowledge something good going on in your life, there's something about thankfulness. There's something about giving God praise, even in the storm. We sing about this like almost every week. Praising God through the storm. There's something about that that changes the atmosphere in our lives. I'm giving you something to work for your life, okay? The peace of God will guard your heart and mind when you're going through a storm if you do this. It will, it's the peace of God that goes beyond our intellectual understanding. There's no reason why you should have peace in that situation, but you have peace, right? Ever gone through a situation and the peace of God is just so prevalent? It's like, I should be freaking out and everyone should be freaking out, but we're not. What is happening? It's the peace of God that goes beyond our natural ability to comprehend. It's from, it's from the Lord. Okay, let me, let me give you one other how-to for this point. We're almost done here. <clears throat> If you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, keep walking. This is an important one. It doesn't say, even though I sit in the valley of the shadow of death, or even though I stop and sulk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. He says, No, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will just I'm gonna keep going through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't stop in the valley of the shadow of death. That is hugely important. So, example, when you're depressed, maybe you shouldn't just lay on the couch. Maybe you should get out. Maybe you should go get involved in the community, come to church, be around people, go do things, right? Like, put your faith into action. Don't just sit in the valley of the shadow of death. Actually take steps and move through it. And I have total empathy and sympathy for people struggling with that. But we don't want to sit in the valley of the shadow of death. I re- this has happened to me a few times. We hike a lot. And sometimes it's like, well, we're going to go on an afternoon hike, and it's not gonna be very far, and like, we either don't take a headlamp with us, or the headlamp I took with us had low batteries, and then the hike goes longer than I thought, and you have to flip it on. And one time I was hiking from, um, let's see, it was Devil's Backbone over to Tukai Ridge, and it, and it got dark on me, like dark. <laughs> and so my headlamp, I put my headlamp on, and it was just, you know, that feeling where it's, <laughs> oh, and I get my phone out, And then it's like, and then you're just like groping in the dark here, you know, and it wasn't like dangerous where I would fall or something like that, but it was like, it's going to be slow. I know this, but I can't stay here tonight. You know, I'm just going to keep moving. Eventually I will get out of this valley that I'm in. Right. Come on guys. That's what it's like in your lives. I was on a hike with Alex one time. This happened with us too my headlamp went out and my phone went out and then that one was even worse though because it was pitch black and I literally couldn't see anything and uh, luckily someone, <laughs> someone came up and rescued me so now we carry extra batteries I don't care if I'm hiking in the middle of the day I take a headlamp with me all the time it's happened way too many times listen if you're going through the valley of the shadow of death keep moving don't stop in the valley of the shadow of death okay uh, verse, let's look at verse 4 verse um, 4 it, it just Again, it's more meat on the bone. Even though I walk to the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. His presence is with you. That's what it looks like to reign in life. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's our protector. Point number seven is you are not alone in the storm. There's another in the fire, right? There's another in the sea, holding, holding back the seas. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare... We sang that today too, didn't we? You prepare um, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup Overflows. So point number eight, nine, and 10. Number one, God vindicates you openly. This is what reigning looks like. He prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. What does it look like for God to prepare a table before you in the presence of cancer? What does it look like for God to prepare a table before you in the, in the presence of overdue bills? What does it look like for God to prepare a table in the presence of people saying evil things about you? okay. God brings vindication to our lives. He he openly displays his justice in our lives. Justice is mine, says the Lord. All right? Um, Point number nine. Um, You anoint my head with oil. What what does it look like to reign in life with Christ Jesus? We walk in the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. The power and anointing of the Holy Spirit belongs to you. Point number 10. You have more. My cup overflows. You have more than enough Provision, you have more than enough of his presence. It overflows, and abundance can bless other people around you. Amen? This is a great picture of reigning with Christ. All right, and last verse, Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Point 11 and 12 is God's blessings actually overtake you. When you're reigning in life with Christ Jesus, his blessings sneak up behind you. Like a creeper, you know? <laughs> all right, I need, I need two volunteers. I'm going to kind of just pick you guys here. So one of you is goodness and one's mercy. I'm going to come down here and you're going to follow me, okay? So wherever I go, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And where's Shirley? It says, Shirley goodness and mercy. Who's Shirley, anyway? Just kidding. I thought it'd be funny if you, had a, if you had three daughters, you named one Shirley, goodness, and mercy. Anyway, follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, guys. That's what it looks like during rain life. Okay, you guys can sit down. Thank you. will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me re- I'm going to close with this. I'm going to read Psalm 23, the whole thing, and the Passion Translation. This is so good. <clears throat> the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, to the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me paths to God's pleasure and leads me along his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even though your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and peace. The uh, The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You have become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and forever be with you. That's what royalty looks like, guys. That's what it looks like to reign in life through Christ Jesus. Again, if you're not there, that's not to condemn you, but that is to say there's something for you to grow into. All right? My people perish for lack of knowledge. Find out what the Bible says you can have and should have, what you should be inheriting in this present life. Amen? All right. Why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm going to pray, and uh, Emily will, I guess, dismiss you guys. Father, we love you. We thank you. Um, We thank you, God, for the dignity of our lives. You've called us. To be friends. You've called us to be lovers. You've called us to be the bride of Christ, Lord. And We want to live this life to bring glory and honor to your name, Lord. And we just um, give you the keys of our heart, Lord God. Fill every, every spot. Fill every nook and cranny. We thank you for your goodness and kindness in our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.